Alrighty then, welcome everybody to this session of Biblical Mental Health. This free e-course that I'm putting on, this is session number three, which will be the last session. Um, so, welcome everybody. I'm your host, Pastor David here. So, uh, what have we covered so far? Well, we've taken this journey through Biblical Mental Health. We've covered what this e-course is going to cover. I've given you my personal testimony in session number one. Session number two, which was yesterday, and oh, by the way, let me pause and say, if you have not watched any of them, you need to go watch them all, okay? They, they build on one another. Um, also, so last session we covered, what is God's standard operating procedure for us at, when it regards to biblical mental health, right? It is covered, well, does the Bible say that we can actually live in perfect mental health? Does what about the uh, common excuses that people give? Well, so and so in the Bible was such and such a way. Well, I covered that, and I and I come and I demolished um, in love those arguments. I, I covered to seek out help uh, if you need to, but seek out the right help. Uh, I covered that if you are dealing with some sort of mental health issue that you should not be in leadership in the church, that you need to at least step down at the very minimum until you get that sorted out. Why? Because you'll do more damage than good. Um, and you'll just be in uh, all honesty, the blind leading the blind. Okay. So today, the very last session will be God's TTPs, God's technique, tech, tactics, techniques, and procedures for you and for me. How we, how we, how do we navigate? What is the roadmap we need to follow to either one achieve biblical mental health and or to stay in biblical mental health throughout life's many difficulties, all right? So today we're going to cover, let me bring up this, how if I brought up the slide, there it is, emphasis, we're going to emphasis on the Word of God, so the importance of the Word of God, the importance of studying the Word of God, the importance of applying the Word of God, and so forth, because, well, we can't navigate life when we discard the study of scripture. Um, what else we're going to cover? Emphasis on prayer, on a, on a prayer life. Um, real quickly, I've asked this same question when, when people seem to be in some sort of mental ill health, um, some sort of pattern or whatever. Um, I always ask the two questions. What is your prayer life like? And what is your Bible study life like? And 100% across the board, every time the answer has always been, they don't have one. And also an emphasis will be on being part of a local church body, fellowship with the saints. Okay. It is a must, never mind just for any Christian in general, but, but also you'll see um, later on where we'll see this is especially important when it comes to our mental health, because no person, man, woman, child is an Island. All right. So let's go, let's continue to move on here. So, how do we navigate a life of biblical mental health, right? I mean, life is hard. Difficulties come up. Naysayers come our way. How do we do this? Well, I believe that the, the one thing we can do is obviously study what the Word of God tells us, right? The Word of God is a roadmap. Don't do this. Do this, right? Guardrails, if you will. Stop signs. Cautions. Even encouragement. Um, and it's all for our own good. And if you don't think so, then it might not be any wonder why you might not be in good me mental health, biblical mental health. 
so what what is is there an importance at all well we're, we're gonna i want you to listen uh to this short video uh let me just double check that um hold on let me stop sharing let me just double check that the audio is going to be um able to be shared on this um just a short quick clip here um uh john bevere um discussing with another fellow about this study that that was done on on what happens when people do study the word of god so let's see if this will work So check that out. So I love statistics for one. Um, I do. Uh, I, I love, you know, hard data. And right here, study was done. What happens? Check out all these things that drop. Check check out what, what happens, right? Um, feed, you know, no more spiritual stag stagnation. Why? Because people are feeding themselves on the word of God. And this is a, extremely applicable to our mental health. Um, so, like I said, so how do we then navigate a life of biblical mental health? Well, obviously, we navigate it by the Word of God. We let the Word of God guide us, right? It says right here on your screen, 2 Timothy chapter 2.15, study to show yourself approved by God, a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth, right? So that means you, that means me, that means every born-again Christian should have a hunger for the word of God. And we should uh, diligently seek out. I forgot to put my lighting on real one second here. Uh, we, we should diligently seek out. There we go. Much better. Uh, uh, diligently seek out to be students of the word of God. We need to know what the word of God says. What does the word of God say about God? What does the word of God say about us? What does the word of God say how we should think? Right. The word of God is explicitly clear as a man thinks. So, so is he right? So here on your screen now coming up is Psalms 119, 105 Psalms 119, 105. Right? It says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Look at this emphasis. The psalmist puts on the word of God, that the word of God guides him. The, the, the word of God illuminates his path right and in this world that's so filled with darkness we can trust in the word of god to guide us right to keep us from stumbling to to keep us from falling uh to guide us where the lord wants us to go and to guide us into navigating specifically mental health um how are we supposed to navigate that what are we supposed to do what does the word of god say about gathering of the saints which we will get to uh 
What does the word of God say about prayer? What does the word of God say about the word of God itself? What? How do we apply it? How do we use it? Well, we don't know any of this if we don't study it. If we if we fail to study it, then we're all, I, I dare say, we've, we're already walking in abject failure. Um, and again, all right, it says that you shall teach them diligently, right, the commandments of the Lord, it's just talking about, to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Check this out in, in bold. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise up. So in other words, this word of God, right, should be with us in every aspect of our life. It should be a, it should be a living and active part of us. It, it, believe me, it will reshape the very way that we think every single day about every situation when we apply this, right? And I love it. I highlighted it for a reason. And when you walk by the way, right? Just like, uh, the other verse there where it says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Well, well, this goes along with that, right? When we walk, when we navigate this thing called life, right? Which which is difficult, right? Which suffering will happen, which tribulation will happen, right? Things will happen to us that, that are bad that are downright evil um that hurt well how do we navigate those tough things how, how do we if we're walking in biblical mental health right well how do we stay in that not fall into a state of mental ill health but if you're searching today well how do you navigate out of depression out of anxiety uh, uh out of you name it adhd things like that well how do you navigate out of it well, it's simple. When use the word of God along your journey, the the word of God will will so awesome, so many rich truths in it, and and we can never study it enough. I mean, every time I study, just just alone pulling out the scriptures for this um, e course, and, and I saw things and and wow, things I didn't see and connections I didn't see before, and though they're not saying they weren't there, I just didn't see them before. And this is the same way in our life that, that we have to be lifetime students, right? And also, don't let somebody else study the Word of God for you, okay? Because I, like I emphasize, I'm going to reemphasize it here now, all right? Um, there are many leaders who are, well, not yet free of some sort of mental ill health. And so they're going to tell you um, things based on that skewed, uh, wrong viewpoint of things i just in other words not a biblical worldview so you need to study the word and say okay is what they saying or what they saying is that true when they say hey it's okay to be this way that that depression is normal that that anxiety is normal a ptsd is normal and insert any anything else in there is normal well, well does that stack up against the word of god and i hope i've done my due diligence uh yesterday to show you in session number two that it does not stack up to the word of God, that the word of God says what it says. So we need to study. We need to apply it. And what, what is that going to do for us? Well, I'll show you, show you right now. And we're up right here. We need to navigate by applying, not just reading, but applying. I, I, I used the scripture from James yesterday. Uh, just don't be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word of God, right? So, so let me say that one more time. Don't be just hearers of the word of God, but be doers. In other words, we apply it 
to every aspect, every facet of our life, and it will greatly contribute to our mental health, right? We, we can do this a number of ways. So first one, it says right here, we got to realize that the word of God is living and active, that, that when we read the word of God and we decide to apply it, it is going to do a work in us. Okay, it's going to correct us. Okay, it's going to encourage us. It's going to feed us. It's going to get out wrong behaviors, right? It says here in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. Talking about our minds, our our ways of thinking. Is our, our ways of thinking not aligned with the Word of God? Are our are our ways of thinking colored by something bad that happened to us that we have not yet dealt with, but we need to deal with? What what is it about our thought life that 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 continue, that keeps us spiraling down or or keeps us from going up? Well. What does the word of God say? That's why it's it's living, it's active. It's for today. It's for you. It's for me. For all today. Amen. And so we see here as well that we can apply the word of God by wielding it as a weapon, right? So I got this uh graphic up on the screen. And anyway, uh it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, right? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, right? This is, here we are talking about our thought life, our, our mental state, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Right. So in other words, what would this look like in reality? Right. I'm so down. I'm this. I'll never be or life is just not worth it. Right. Whatever. Oh, life is hard. Right. Don't we apply the word of God. Right. We, we, we take that thought captive. Right. And, and what we do is I'm, I'm going to the picture of a globe. Think, think about that. Think of, of a globe or a basketball or something like that, right? And we take that thought and we examine it from every possible angle, right? It's called reconceptualization, right? We're going to examine it. And then we're not going to examine it by our own thoughts or experiences, but we're going to examine it by the word of God. Does it pass the scripture test like I talked about yesterday? This is why it's important you watch all three of these. You can't watch just a standalone one, all right? We, we take, is that true? According to the word, does, when I filter that thought through scripture, is it true or is it not? Right? Or is there maybe some truth to it, but, but it's hyped up and we say, okay, well, and then we, we take it. Now we've reconceptualized it, right? We, we've reframed it in accordance to the word of God as true or false, right? And we take action based off of that. So, so say for instance, um, I don't know, I was hurt in the church, right? So all churches are bad and I'm not going to attend church. Is that a true statement? Well, it might be true that they hurt you, but it's false. It's patently false that all churches are bad 
and that she sh should not attend church, right? That's patently false. So we take it, well, what does the word God say about attending church? You see what I'm saying? And we'll get into it, the importance of that later on. But I'm just trying to give you practical ways by applying the word of God to our lives, by warring against that ungodly thoughts. In other words, yes, thinking depression is normal, and it's okay to stay that way. Is that that kind of mentality? Yes, it exalts itself against the knowledge of God, which tells us that we can have the peace and joy of the Lord always, and it protects, it guards our hearts and minds. In other words, to keep them in, in perfect, the way our thought life pure and biblical and godly, right? So any other thought contrary to what the word of God says, no matter how strongly we feel about it, exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we've got to be willing to take action with those thoughts by, like I said, reconceptualizing them, by, by examining them from every possible angle with not our own experiences, but by the word of God. And I'm telling you, you won't go wrong in this, right? Because the power of God will be in you to empower you to do this. I'm speaking not only just from what, what, what I'm telling you that the word of God says right now, but I also applied this to my own life. And it literally made a world of difference in my life. And it will for you as well. All right, so continuing on about how do we navigate a life of biblical mental health? Well, talking about the scriptures, we now, now we talk about applying the word of God like Jesus did, right? Why? Because Jesus is our example, amen? I think we can all agree on that, that, that we look to Jesus as our example of what to do, right? How did he live? We tried to live like that. And, and every facet, I mean, I know we're not going to do it perfectly, but we still do. And that's important. We don't look to pastor so-and-so, therapist so-and-so, whoever so-and-so. We look to Jesus as our example, right? Now, so so here we come to um, a point in Jesus' life when he had just been in the wilderness, right? At his weakest point, right? Fasting for 40 days. Right, pretty long time. I know I've never fasted anything close to 40 days myself, just to be honest with you. Pretty weak at his point, right? And at his weakest point, right, is when Satan comes, right? Usually it happens in our life, right? Just to give you an idea, here, here's a caution, here's a guardrail set up for you that, that in your most difficult time, in, in your weakest moment, is when the attacks will come your way. And the attacks will not be fashioned in an overt manner, Right, you won't see some demon manifest manifesting in front of you, right? They'll, they'll come in a very subtle way to try and deceive you. And one of the and if you don't war against that, let me go back up here. Um, by this, yeah, if you don't war against it, you don't apply the word of God, you don't use the sword of the spirit, right? You don't take that thought captive. Guess what starts to happen? Now you start sliding off into mental ill health. And we don't want to do that, right? We, we don't want to do that. So what did Jesus do then? How did Jesus handle such a situation? Right? I know he, God fully manned the hypostatic, hypostatic unit. I know all that. But he was still our example, amen? So first thing we, got, we, we have to notice here in, in Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 3 and 4, when 
It says, and the tempter. Did you catch that? The tempter, right? Now, I know Satan isn't around everywhere, but his demons are going to come and try to tempt us, right? And the tempter came to him, right, and said, if you are. So first thing that happens here is that Satan questions the identity of Jesus. He says, if you are the son of God, right, which that's going to happen and, and happens to us, you know, if we're living for Christ, right? Our, you're no son of God. Don't you remember back when you were trying to kill yourself, right? You were suicidal, right? Do you remember that? And bring up against us, right? Or you're not strong enough. You're not good enough, right? If you really are a Christian, you wouldn't have dot, dot, dot. If you really were a Christian, then you would have had enough faith to overcome and not lose your child. Just speaking of somebody who's lost a baby. Okay, things like that. They, they, they will try to come in, in your identity. But what, what, do you, what are you going to do? Well, you do what Jesus did. But he answered. It is written. Amen. That's the key. It is written, right? How do we, but how do we apply it is written if we don't know what's written in the scriptures, right? God isn't going to supernaturally fill us with scriptures that we've never read to use and, and be ready to, uh, at, be ready at hand to use. I just, no, I just messed that one up. Anyway, right? It is written. Actually, it is written. It says, uh, I can, I, the spirit of adoption. I can cry out, Father. Amen. Um, I have the imputed righteousness of Christ, right? Um, I am a new creation. It is written, I am a new creation, right? Old things have passed away and all things have become new in my life, for instance, right? I mean, could Satan argue against Jesus when he actually applied the scriptures? No, he could not. And again, he tried it again. He said, and said to him, if you are the son of God, and once again, questioning his very identity right throw yourself down right now obviously satan took the scripture out of context which is another reason we need to study the scriptures because we can take it out of context to back up some sort of mental ill health in us right i'm going to take that elijah was suicidal and depressed and so it's okay for me to be that way but like i talked about yesterday for instance god didn't leave him there god comforted him yes Send an angel to prepare a nice Texas barbecue for him. And, um, yeah, it's a joke. Anyway, right? And but he took him up. He said, hey, Elijah, where am I at? Look for me, right? Look for me. Where am I at? You need to quiet yourself. You need to focus on me. So so we can take things out of context. We can We can say, well, David was depressed. But was David really depressed? Or did he question himself? You see, you see what I'm saying? There, there are many fine examples that we can take any scripture out of its context, divorce it from its context, if you will, to try to excuse a wrong thought pattern in us. But no, this is what Satan did. He, he tried to use scripture out of its context, and Jesus comes back and says, no, it is written. Amen? You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Right? Once again, and, and, and here we go. And then he said to him, all, and, and then Satan tried one more time, right? He tried to tempt him now with the easy path, right? If you do it this way, instead of God's way, life is going to be good. 
right? Don't worry about that struggle, Jesus. Don't, don't worry about having to go to the cross. Don't worry about to, having to endure humiliation and pain and suffering. No, 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 no. Let's, let's bypass that. Just do it my way, right? That's what is happening right now when it comes to mental health. Don't don't do don't worry about doing it God's way. Tell you what, tell you what. Here, here's these pills. Take those, and everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. All right. Um, I almost feel like it comes to mind um, that one scene from The Matrix. If you've ever watched the movie, I love that movie. Um, you know, Neo comes in um, to see the Oracle, right? And she hands him a cookie after giving him some hard news. And don't worry about it. You, you, Everything is, you'll forget all about this when you eat this cookie. And it's going to be okay. Or something like that. Uh, anyway, that's what the world says. Here, take these pills. Don't worry about dealing with the issue. Oh, oh, come back. Oh, all right, we'll just give you more pills. I right, will increase your dosage. Don't, don't worry about dealing with the actual issue at hand. Yet God's word is clear that we have to do it. No matter how uncomfortable. Even if we need help doing it. And, and by the way, that's, that's a true test of character is when we decide to reach out for help. But like I said yesterday, be careful. Real quick, be careful who you reach out to. Make sure it's a biblical counselor, right? Make sure that, that they, they tell you that it's explicit somewhere in their credentials or website or business that they're a biblical counselor, right? And then deal with it. Let's focus. Get, get it. You know, do the hard work. It's not easy. I'm not, all that I'm saying, I'm not saying, oh, it's easy peasy, lemon breezy. No, there's stuff we have to deal with. But we do it because it's God's way of doing things. Now, you know, the world said, like I said, hey, take these pills, smoke some dope, get high, because now that's a way to deal with things is, is smoke some marijuana and get high. But this, is, is that godly? No, it's not godly. It's going to cause greater harm in the long run. But God says, I got a better path for you. And so... When those those arrows come our way, we we'll say, "Wait a minute, let me, let me let me take that thought captive. Let me reconceptualize. Let me run it through the filter of Scripture." Okay, no, no. Okay, no. I, I have to deal with this in the power of God, Amen. In the power of God. So, moving on. How do we navigate? Well, we navigate um, through prayer. So, prayer life, right? Let me tell you what. Your Bible study life and your prayer life can never be divorced. You have to have a Bible study and a prayer life. They go hand in hand. And like I said, I, I gave you some hard data in, in a little short video clip that I played um, that talked about um, the benefits that this study did. And like I said, I love hard data. Okay, I love statistics, love things like that. So what about prayer life? How, how important... Is it that actually? Well, let's see what we got here. All right, we'll, we'll get to the statistics, statistics in a second. All right, let, let's see. What does the Bible say? How important is a prayer life? Well, just here's some things, and you can see where I got the website I got this from. You can go look there yourself. Uh, there are 650 prayers listed in the Bible. So 650 prayers record. That's a quite a number of prayers. Um, across the face of 66 books, okay? There are approximately 450 recorded answers to prayer in the Bible, right? The Bible records Jesus 
praying 25 different times during his earthly ministry. We know he, that number is probably way higher than that. We know in the book of John, it says that it couldn't fit there. All, all things that Jesus did. Um, but we, we give an, an example is given to us of 25 times. Right. Uh, in the Bible, uh, Paul mentions uh, prayer. So prayers, prayer reports, prayer requests, exhortations to pray 41 times. So are you getting it so far? How important prayer is to the Christian? That to our lives, prayer is not an option. It's not something we'll get around to or do when 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 life is good or we have the time. No, we make the time. Prayer must be our priority. Let me say it one more time. Prayer must be our priority. Like I just right here. These are the different things that um here we go. Here's more. All right. The Bible lists at least nine types of prayer. So we have prayers of faith, we have prayers of agreement, uh, prayers of request, prayers of thanksgiving, uh, prayers of worship, prayers of consecration, prayers of intercession, prayers of imprecation, and praying in the spirit. Just to name these different types of prayers that are listed in the Bible. So clearly God is putting an emphasis on prayer, right? So if God puts an emphasis in his written word on prayer, then that means it needs to be an emphasis in our everyday life. If we want to successfully navigate our way out of mental ill health, and if we want to navigate successfully in a biblical mental health. Okay, so like I said, here's some statistics out of the, I got this off the Pew Research Center. Um, hopefully you can read it. If not, I'll, I'll anyway. Let me let me try to at least blow it up for me. Um, apologies that I didn't get this. See how that looks on your screen here. Anyway, it says that the frequency, this is frequency of feeling spiritual peace and well-being by frequency of prayer. So if you pray at least daily, 70%, 76% of, of people said that when they pray daily, all right, when they pray daily, that they have a, a genuine spiritual peace in well-being. That's 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 an amazing st statistic, right? And and absolutely biblical. All right, what, what's another statistic? Like I said, I apologize. It's looking small on your screen. I can't can't do much about it. Um, but it says this: fifty uh, percent. So at least half of people who have a prayer life, they have guidance on right and wrong according to the frequency of prayer. So 50% of people who pray have guidance on what is right and what is wrong. And doesn't that apply definitely to our biblical mental health? Absolutely. What is right? What are wrong thoughts? What are right thoughts? Right? Should I go hang out with this crowd over here? Or should I hang out with these Christians over there? Right? Which one is going to be beneficial to my mental health? Is it going to be the people that are gossiping over here? Is it going to be... The, the people who have bad mouths and coarse joking is going to be um, basically an overall nasty type of people. Or should I go hang out over there? Um, things like that. Um, I should probably, how about avoiding drunkenness, right? Never, never a good mix with any type of mental ill health problem. Anyway, alcohol in general. Um, and is it never, never good with mental ill health? 
So you say, okay, well, is that right until I until I dealing with this at the very least? Or, or should I just go out and, and give in and now fall into sin of, of drunkenness? Probably not a good idea. See what I'm saying? But prayer, because because in each and every single one of us, when we do that, we'll know right and wrong. We'll know we shouldn't be doing that. Now, whether we obey that is a different story, but you get what I'm saying. So moving on. So how do we navigate a life of biblical mental health? Boom. Prayer life, right? I think we've, we've been highlighting, but let's 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 dig deeper into the subject. All right. So here we have uh, Jesus again and his disciples. It says he was praying in a certain place, and when he ceased, so pause and say that yet again, Jesus praying, Jesus also leading by example. Okay. One of his disciples said to him, "Lord, teach us to pray." Amazing. And all the things this disciple could have asked Jesus, right? Teach me how to write. Teach me how to speak eloquently. Teach me this. No. Teach teach us, Lord, to pray. Teach us, they could say, teach us to prophesy, right? Teach us to make disciples. No. Teach us to pray. Because I'm telling you right now, for good, it all starts in the prayer closet for bad it's because our prayer closet is, is full of cobwebs and dust if you will so and here's a warning in the bible do not be lazy in diligence so don't be lazy in your prayer life don't do it all right not praying is laziness that's what it is really right i mean we can binge and watch netflix right we can Watch our favorite movie, our favorite sports, but we can't take the time out of the day to pray. We, we want to sleep in bed, maybe get a little bit longer sleep, but instead of getting up to be with the Lord in the cool of the day. And he says, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, perseverance in prayer. You want to persevere? You want you you want to get out of mental ill health? You want to you want to persevere in that? Well, amen. But you got to pray. You want to persevere in staying in in biblical mental health? Then you have to pray. You, you have to do it. It's not optional. Because look at this. Jesus didn't say um, in the Bible if you pray. Because if you follow this this up, right? He goes on about when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. But he didn't say if you pray. Jesus said when you pray. So again, it's not optional for the Christian. Uh, it's not It's not an option. It's not something we, we add flavor to when we want something from God, right? We don't treat God like our uh, sky Santa Claus, if you will. We don't do that. No, we pray all the time. Even the Bible exhorts us to pray without ceasing even. So again, with our prayer life, if we want biblical mental health, this is, here are just some things, right? This is not an all-inclusive all list, if you will. But these are just some highlights of, of what Scripture tells us. So some things that prayer gives us and things that prayer helps us to do. So prayer helps us to rejoice in tribulation. Romans 12, 12, right? Because we are promised tribulation, right? 
in this world, Jesus says, you will have tribulation. And Jesus says, obviously, be of good cheer. Well, again, here, uh, Romans 12, 12 emphasizes rejoicing in tribulation. So when hard times come, when, when, when everything is going crazy, when, when the bottom falls out from us, we can actually still rejoice in that time. Another thing, prayer fills us with joy and peace. It fills us with that. It increases our level of joy and peace. And it, it gives us the Holy Spirit's power to work in us. Right? We give it, we're giving access to the Holy Spirit for his very power to work in us. It says in Romans 15, 13. Um, I think that's extremely important because obviously we cannot stay um, in biblical mental health. We cannot come to biblical mental health without the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it of our own power, of any resource that we have, period. Uh, another thing, prayer comforts us in affliction. Uh, Roman, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. Oh, by the way, let me pause. Hey, if you want these slides, I will email. I will gladly uh, email them to you if you reach out to me. Um, so comforts us in affliction, right? I mean, we can come to God. God, this is happening. I don't understand why. It hurts. Why is this happening, God? Did you do this? Whatever. We just pour our heart out to him. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is also called the comforter. Another thing about prayer um, gives us the peace and joy of the Lord that will protect our minds, and our thoughts. Uh, Philippians 4, 7 talks about the peace of God uh, that guards our hearts and minds, right? You, you want to protect your mind against um, intrusive thoughts. You want to protect your mind against um, demonic thoughts, wrong thoughts, hateful thoughts lustful thoughts get in your prayer closet you want protection then get in the prayer closet uh and another thing um be it helps us to be in unity with other believers john 17 20 through 23 this is jesus praying for unity this is this is in the chapter that's called the high priestly prayer and what is jesus praying for unity so when we pray it helps us to stay in unity with other believers which is a great segue into the last part for our roadmap, God's tactics, techniques, and procedures is fellowship with other Christians. If we want to navigate out of mental ill health and navigate into biblical mental health, or if we want to stay in biblical mental health, then fellowship with other Christians is critical. It's absolutely essential. Not yet another thing that is not an option right so bible study is not optional for the christian this is a uh an orthodox belief in other words a primary doctrine that they cannot compromise on uh we've talked about prayer another orthodox belief another primary doctrine a salvific issue and lastly fellowship with other christians which is an orthodox belief and absolutely essential and it's a very salvific issue, and I'll show you that in a second. All right? So, Hebrews 10, 23, 25. Remember, I said at the beginning, um, I talked about how when I study the scriptures, um, I just come to more and more. And the more I study, you know, and there's things there that I just never saw before, but they were there all along. And 
Well, this is actually what happened specifically when I was preparing this slide right here. Now, I posted the whole thing for a reason. You'll see this here now. In Hebrews 10, 23 20 through 25, let us firmly hold to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised us is faithful. And let us consider how to spur one another to love and to good works. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, i.e. having church, gathering together in church, as is the manner of some. But let us exhort one another. Let us encourage. Exhort is another word for encouraging one another, especially as you see the day approaching. So we see this verse about don't forsake going to church, right, in there. Now what is sandwiched in, in between is, is not wavering in the faith, amen, right? In other words, that's a state of mental health. I'm not talking about doubt. People doubt, but that's not wavering. Right? Doubt and wavering is not the same thing. Um, and then after it, or yeah, where is it? I'm trying to find it. Ah, here we go. And right after it, here's a warning part of it. Verse 26, for if we willfully continue to sin after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Now, I know the original context was written to the Jews, but bear with me here. It says, it talks about gathering together. Don't do, don't forsake it. But then it gives a warning right after that, that if we forsake gathering, it's willful sin. We are now willfully sinning. And that's a dangerous place to be in. That is a dangerous place to be. In. I don't care what your beliefs are, Calvinist, Arminianist, whatever. Um, but but why 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 does this help? Look, to spur one another, right? We get to motivate, we get to encourage, we get to exhort one another. Yes, that means you get to exhort one another, which by the way, is encouraging in and of itself to to you. But others are there to encourage you on as well. Why wouldn't you want that? But the Bible does give us warnings that we must, must, must heed. And we remember I talked about a specific issue as well as applying also to a mental health. Because here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 4 to 5, it says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are assembled along with my spirit in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? And it says deliver him. And they, Paul had just finished talking about this person that was living in vile sexual immorality, right? Basically, he was having sex with his mother. Um, when when uh, deliver him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that the spirit, so that the spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, this fellow. Paul is commanding them to excommunicate him. All right, disfellowship him, if you will. And and when that happens, that person is now delivered over to Satan. They are they are delivered into the darkness of the world, and Satan, who currently has some form of power in the world. So when we don't go to church, in other words, when we fail to heed God's instructions in this manner his very commands, then we are walk, and we, we are handed over to Satan in that. It says what the Bible says. And we, you want to have a really 
nasty mental health and you want to walk in rampant mental ill health then then you walk in the world and you're handed over to the father of lies and yeah no wonder you're not going to walk free because you're walking in disobedience to god and it says here you're living in sin you're doing it willfully you've made the decision so so that is the exact opposite of, of being able to have mental health biblical mental health it's, it's important. I, I can't emphasize that enough without getting too preachy. Um, here we go. Another another emphasis on why we need to have fellowship with other Christians. Paul here in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. For as a body is one and has many parts, and all the many parts of that one body are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we are Jews or Gentiles, whether we are slaves or free, and we have all been made to drink of one spirit. The body is not one part, but many, right? It's made up of many different Christians, many different believers. Now, now here in verse 15, but if the foot says, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. So put this right here. Morning, morning, morning. There is no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. No, no such thing, no such thing. And Paul emphasizes again, and if the ear says, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, therefore not of, it is therefore not of the body. So if we have this thinking, thinking mentality, Right, I don't need to go to church. Well, then you are not part of the body of Christ. We are not part of the body of Christ. Therefore, we, we are rejecting God's perfect will for our lives. And no wonder we're not going to walk in biblical mental health because we're operating outside of God's biblical roadmap for our lives. Amen? This is, this is essential stuff. We must have this. And, and again, another reason why. Why, why do we need to go to church? Well, because the Bible says here, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts rejoice with it. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. So when we do go through suffering, and by the way, suffering is promised for the Christian, other Christians are going to suffer with us, whether they're going through suffering or not, but they're going to be there with us. They're going to lock shields with us. They're going to encourage us. They're going to pray for us they're going to support us in some way because it's right here what the bible says if, if one if one is suffering in a local congregation right lost a baby lost a husband lost a wife you name it right then according to the bible the whole congregation is now a part of that suffering and you know nobody likes to feel alone Nobody wants to feel that way that they're alone and there's nobody out there for them, right? I, I don't care what what they say on the face of it. Nobody likes that. We all need somebody, right? We all need somebody, right? Everybody needs somebody sometime. Anyway, but it's true. It's true. I mean, I know I was just, it's true. We, we all need each other. No man, no woman, no child. Nobody is an island, we need others there with us, and especially when it's difficult. All right? And also, when we do this, when we do 
then we're being equipped for the good works of Christ, right? It says here in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For what? The equipping of the saints for the work of service and for the building up of the body of Christ. So when we're part of a local congregation, right? When we, we sit under a pastor or somebody up there in the pulpit, doesn't matter, prophet, apostle, whoever, right? There, we are now being equipped. We've humbled ourselves. We're being equipped. Now, let me pause and say this as well. All right, if the church you are attending has a leader dealing with some mental health issues, then you should not be listening to that person. Not because they're evil. Not, no, because they need to deal with it before they get behind the pulpit and speak. Otherwise, it's, a, it's just the blind leading the blind, and that person in the pulpit is just going to be end up causing, at the end of the day, an immense amount of damage in the body of Christ. And that's the last thing we need. So we need to under, sit under not just leaders, but biblical leaders. If you want to know what your biblical leadership should look like in your local church, then I encourage you to read First Current, or sorry, First Timothy, uh, chapter three, and as well as the book of Titus. If you want to know what leaders should be sitting under, then there's your source right there. And I'm not trying to demean or condemn anybody when I say that, and I'm certainly not saying that that leader can never be a leader again. But at the very least, you know, they, they need to be able to um, get help. So focus on Jesus, right? Because as I talked about church, many people may say, well, I've been hurt by the church. And it could be true. I'm not going to question that. But you won't go back to church and you'll be walking in disobedience to God because you're not focusing on Jesus and you're focusing on imperfect man. Every person out there, me included, everybody, every single person is imperfect. We will mess up. We will hurt either intentionally or hurt you unintentionally. But it's going to happen because we're imperfect. So focus on Jesus. The Bible encourages us, tells us uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Look, let us look to Jesus. Remember I said Jesus is our example, right? Jesus we look to how did he operate? How did he tell us to live? How did he tell us to think? How, what did he do? What did he show us? What did he teach? Look to Jesus first and foremost. Right? And again, if you were raised with Christ, desire those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God, set your affections. On things above, not things on earth. Let's get a heavenly focus, right? If you want to navigate properly out of biblical mental health or you want to stay walking in proper biblical mental health, then focus. Set your focus on the correct one. That's going to lead the way. All right, so in summary, what did we cover today? We covered the emphasis on the Word of God. We, we talked about how as many benefits, uh, we, we talked about how to apply it, right? We talked about the importance of studying it. We talked about the, the importance of, of taking a thought captive and I, in, in the process of 
reconceptualization. So reconceptual reconceptualizing that particular thought by filtering it through the word of God, testing it if, it if it's true or not by what the Bible says. We've talked about prayer. We put the emphasis on prayer, the absolute essential um, importance of, of prayer, um, the many benefits, how it, how it gives us the peace and the joy of the Lord, how it allows the Holy Spirit and power to work in us and through us, um, things like that. And we've, we've also put uh, emphasis on being part of a local church body. By the way, once again, let me reemphasize that all three, all three are absolutely essential for the Christian period. But we've talked about the many benefits. We've talked about we. there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian anyways. We talked about when we suffer and that local church will, will be with us. They'll pray for us. They'll encourage us because the Bible says if we suffer, then all suffer in the body of Christ, right? In that local church body. We've talked about that. All right. So question time. So we, we wrapped up now session number three, which is the last session. So now is your time to ask any questions you have in regards to biblical mental health. Just put them in the chat and I'll be more than happy to uh, answer them and talk about them. Um, now, if you don't want to, or maybe you don't feel comfortable, then you can contact me privately. You can talk, con all my contact information is in the video description. You can contact me via my website, davidcmaguire.org, um, davidcmaguire.org. Amen. Uh, you can contact me via email. You can call me. Um, but if, I'm just waiting to see if there's going to be any questions that come in. I don't see any coming in right now, so that's fine. Anyway, thank you for joining me anyways for this e-course. Um, it was my privilege. It was my honor to be able to do this for you. Uh, make sure you like it. Hit that like button. Hit that share button. Share it all over your social media platforms, please. Um, this will be uploaded to audio podcast as well. Um, so check it out there or send your people you know to the audio podcast, um, Restoring Your Voice. Um, and so there we go. That's it. That's all she wrote on this. So anyway, thank you all for uh, being willing to join me on this. God bless you all. And I encourage you to live in biblical mental health. Be blessed.